Hello and welcome to It's Only a Sequel, your favourite podcast about fearful follow-ups. And today I have with me author and publisher, the amazing Mr. Robert P. Otone. Yes. Hello. Thank you so much. That's been a week since you since we talked about me getting that right. And (laughs) I kind of got there. It's all good. You you have no idea how many like versions of my last name I've heard my entire life. And it's like there's really two that I'm good. Like you said it right. And Scott on um, you know, on uh New Horror Express says it the other way that's correct. So it's like fine <laughs> you know but like i've i've gotten otten 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 a own like it's just it doesn't it's crazy but how are you i'm good how are you how's everything people uh mispronouncing yeah, yeah. your last name yeah yeah i'm good uh, so for people who don't know we've recorded this once and due to some technical malfunctions we are back again uh yeah so and it was a fun it was a fun chat the first time But, you know, like you and I and it's funny, you and I both really love this movie. So, like, I I don't think it's a problem for us to talk about it. I mean, I did say to you, look, I I understand if you don't want to sit and talk about Halloween 4 for another hour or, you know, and you were like, no, Halloween 4. Well, that's good. (laughs) I can talk about Halloween 4 forever, you know. So, um, so well, I mean, that's a good setup, really. Um, So, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, is the 1988 sequel to Halloween 81's Halloween 2. Uh, Halloween 3 was a completely different movie called Season of the Witch. Great movie, bad Halloween movie for this franchise, I think was the what we managed to get to last time. Um, So, uh, it was written by uh, Alan B. McElroy, who uh, um, also wrote 1995's Spawn. Um, and was directed by Dwight H. Little, um, who, uh, as we discussed last week, um, was, uh, you know, uh, like a, a great choice for this movie. And I don't think he gets enough kudos um, out of all the kind of infamous directors that are associated with this franchise. I feel like he, you know, you'd never really, he didn't ever really get mentioned. And that- when, I, when I think about like... Um... I don't know if you remember the the show that they did. I think it was on Cinemax or Showtime Masters of Horror when they did that back in the yeah. day. And they had like Carpenter did one and Toby Hooper did one. And that was really cool. I think like, yeah, Dwight Little would have been a really great choice Absolutely. for like season two, you yeah, know, yeah. because it's like, it's really kind of unfair. And, and I don't mean to like call him a second stringer or anything like that. But at the same time, like, he has a horror pedigree and and to be fair he did direct like the in our opinion one of the best sequels in this franchise yeah it's hard to kind of ignore like the fact that the dude really delivered he had he and and alan McElroy, who is an individual of color i don't think we we really should point that out because people talk about how there's not a lot of representation in horror on the creative side of things Alan McElroy is an individual of color and he wrote a hell of a script and Dwight Little directed a hell of a movie. And um, they definitely, like, you know, you said they don't get enough credit for it because they (laughs) had a very difficult job ahead of them and they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think, uh, I mean, we talked again, I'm going to say this a lot, but we talked about this last week. Um, But, 
uh, I do often mention that Halloween is probably my favourite film of all time. Um, but what I really mean, I think, is that Halloween 4, Return of Mike Myers, is my favourite film of all time. Joint with Halloween, you know, like um, very much it's like uh, I always think of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back as my favourite Star Wars movie. Um, mm -hmm. I find it very hard to pick between the two of them. Um, yeah. And one can't exist without the other. You yep. know, so it's um, and it, this is very much the same for me. I think when I say Halloween's my favorite film, I kind of mean the franchise as a whole. But I think this is, for me, many people will disagree, um, as good as the original, easily. I uh, I definitely would not disagree with you on that. I think Halloween four. I, I think it's it's it. it Almost, I would say it's almost as good as the original, but the only reason it suffers and, and truth and doesn't suffer at all because it's really they're two different things. Whereas the original is more of a to me, and I mentioned this, I think, too, the original is more of a Hitchcockian sort of a thriller as opposed to an 80s style quote unquote slasher, which Halloween 4 really also isn't. Um, but it does have those moments of gore and stuff like that that a traditional 80s movie would have done very well and actually surprisingly tasteful considering the era, right? Um, I think they're two very different movies and I think they can stand shoulder to shoulder for sure. You know, if like, if you want to say Alien and Aliens are yeah. two great horror movies, they're two very different movies. One is an actual like haunted house movie in space. The other one's an action horror movie. Yeah. Two very different things. Very hard, but it, I think you'd agree with Alien and Aliens, it's very hard to pick the best approach for that franchise. Yeah, and I for think sure. Halloween 4 is essentially that for this franchise. Um, I mean, it's, a, it, it's definitely, um, before this was really a thing, like a reboot of yeah. Where they were like, look, we want to move forward and do some other stuff with this. So, like, let's connect it to the original stuff. But you know, so it's it's got all the legacy that comes with it. But we're introducing new characters, younger characters, and we're moving forward with that. You know? Oh um, yeah. And uh, I mean, it is predominantly. Well, it's it is. It's. I mean, it's a, a, a straight and cut slasher, but with a lot of eighties action movie elements in in it. And I think. Like I said last week, um, this is like a modernization of like the traditional filmmaking that we'd seen in the first three entries of the franchise, which were very like made the way that films were made. Uh, you know, outside of I think the Steadicam stuff that mm -hmm. kind of um, was established um, in Peep and Tom, and then you know in Hollywood really established in Halloween. Um, yeah. You know, that brought kind of a new filmmaking technology to it. I think outside of that, everything is done very traditionally, big, huge dolly moves and, you know, uh, kind of like um, very... Swooping camera. Yeah, like um, almost static cameras of, you know, minimal minimal movement and things like that, you know. Um, whilst this really is um, like a product of its time in a way that you feel like the filmmakers have gone, look, Halloween's great. How can we add, like, it's been 10 years since they made it. How can we add, like, a modern little, like, flair and flavour to it? And that's, that's this movie. I, I wrote here that this is, this could be called, like, Halloween for the excess of Michael Myers, because it's just, 
it takes everything from the original film and just goes, well, what, what if that had like more gore? What yep. if that had an explosion? You know, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> and it's basically like, uh, you know, what if instead of like him stealing someone's car, he hangs on a car for, and then murders yeah. everyone riding in it, you know, like. He does all the things that if you really, and, and this is something we, I don't think we mentioned this at all. All the things he does in this are all things he does in 78's Halloween. Yep. He hitches a ride in the back of a car and is perfectly patient to wait until the right moment. He emerges from the darkness, um, but everything is amped up. Not everything is amped up, but like you said, some things are pushed to the top a little bit. He stalks a babysitter and a child, but this time it's on a roof. So the stakes are higher. You know, it's 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 really interesting. It's like, uh, man, I'm, uh, I wish I could meet Mikael Roy and and Little and be like, you guys really rule. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like we really they should be the guys that we're like, you know, making a big deal about because everybody's like, oh, Wes Craven, Wes Craven, Wes Craven. And it's like it's got like two, three good movies, whatever. And none of them are as good as Halloween four. But like. And that's a statement I will I will I mean, fight I, and die I, on that. I, hill. Like I'm a fan of Craven, and I'll absolutely yeah. agree with you that he, you know none of his films live up to this. Uh, no. this standard. I uh, but you know so like everybody's like oh yeah he's he's such a master and it's like well have you seen Halloween four? <laughs> like absolutely yeah like and I feel like we're like there's like a like a whole like culture of people going oh when's Fred Decker doing a new film when's Fred Decker doing a new film and I'm like. Right. Well, when's Dwight H. Little doing a new f- like why right. is there, why is there not a culture of that you know like right I mean for a long time what if Fred what if Fred Decker did Fred Decker did what Monster Squad uh, I mean again it's a good which one. is fine I, I, I love Monster great. Squad um but then I mean we waited all that time to get the Predator and you kind of go oh oh yeah and it was awful <laughs> yeah I mean there's <laughs> no bones about it it's not good no no and now we're getting. Uh, I, I personally, I think a little culturally insensitive prey, but you know, whatever, that's fine. Well, we'll see. Um, you know, I, I, there's a, there's a kind of a bit of a history in the comic books of Predator and Native Americans, um, mm-hmm. and so I'm quite glad to see them kind of drawn upon that. Really, so you know, I'm interested yeah. to see the angle. Um, it's going to streaming, so I don't have to put a lot of effort into seeing it. You know, I just I, I my my whole thing is we have brilliant First Nations Native American filmmakers and writers who probably should have been given that movie to do instead of Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah. I'm not saying Dan Trachtenberg is bad. I like 10 Cloverfield Lane as much as the next guy. But yeah, I know what you mean. I, am, yeah. I mean, if I was them, I would not be saying from the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, like, mm-hmm. which again is a fine movie. But, you know, it's like the American Psycho 2 of Hollywood alien movies, you know, like it is just, they just went, eh, what if this was a Cloverfield movie, eh? Like, uh, so it feels a little bit disingenuous to go from the director of a film that wasn't meant to be a Cloverfield movie. Yep. Uh, you know, but anyway. Uh, yeah. We're good at getting sidetracked. Very good. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, that's, I, I've come to expect it. So uh, I'll blitz through the plot very quickly. Um. But if you've seen Halloween, you kind of, I guess, know the plot. Um, but so this starts with uh, it's 16 years since Michael Myers. 
no, 10, 10 years. No, 10 years. 10 years. Um, you know, I thought, it was, I thought the trailer said it was 16 in the little, no, it's not, it is, you're right, it's 10 years. So it's 10 years since the massacre um, in the film. Well, yeah, of mm -hmm. course it is, because it's 10 years since the film came out as well. So, um, so it's, yeah, 10 years later, and um, Michael Myers has been transferred to a new facility for some reason on Halloween night, or the night before Halloween. Um, uh, again, I said this last week, but like there should be like a, like a, you know, like a, like a thing in like institutions where they go, uh, right, you need to move this patient. Hang on a second. When did he murder a load of people? Oh, <laughs> 10 years ago tonight. Well, no. can you just come back in a couple of weeks? How about that? <laughs> like, what about, what about we do this at Christmas? Yeah. Everyone's in a good mood at Christmas. You know, like, so, but yeah, so um, Michael Myers has been transferred to a new facility. Uh, during this, uh, he's been in a coma for like 10 years, so they say, mm -hmm. uh, after getting his eyes shot out, which I'm sure we'll discuss later. <laughs> and then uh, uh, he escapes, heads back to Haddonfield, where he's pursued by his old nemesis, uh, Dr. Loomis, who was definitely blown up at the end of uh, Halloween 2. And then uh, um, he goes after his niece, Jamie Lloyd, named after Jamie Lee Curtis, um, who's protected by her surrogate adoptive sister, um, Rachel Carruthers, played by Ellie Cornell. Um, and Myers hunts them down until he finally gets his hands on her, only to be uh, to be thwarted off once again by the babysitter. And this time, also a bunch of truckers with some guns. Yeah, um, and and basically the the National Guard and whatever's left of the Haddonfield Police Force. Yeah, which uh, is decimated in this movie. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this I was going to go into this. So there is an yeah. end to it that's really good, and I I like went straight into it last time. But I guess we'll work our way through the movie and we'll go into the end. And I think is probably a good way to do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, what I was going to say is like this is like very Terminator. Halloween via Terminator with uh, like it's as if Michael Myers while he was like in hospital like Terminator was on the TV one night and he was like oh you know <laughs> this guy's got some ideas you know because he does kind of do go, that oh man why didn't I murder all the police first <laughs> oh, this guy's brilliant you know so it's true and it's like um and I've heard him described as Terminator Michael before um but like he is terminator like in halloween 2 yeah. in some way when did terminator come out what was that 84 oh yeah so yeah so so halloween 2 predates that right so yeah i mean like you said he does get shot in the eyes at the end of halloween 2 and we you know people always make the mask of the blood and everything yeah, which yeah. looks cool um and then he gets blown up uh so yeah he is a little terminator like Without the cool glowing red eyes or the yeah, exoskeleton. Well, I think what's is that Terminator almost certainly went, oh, what if we did like a sci-fi actioner, but like a slasher movie, you know? Yeah. And then, like Halloween. Yeah. And then Halloween went, um, well, why don't we put some of this Terminator juice in our back in our Halloween, you know? And it's kind of. Um, but and again, but uh, again, that speaks to what we were saying before about this being more of an actiony type thing where this is the aliens to alien companion piece to the original so it all connects it does yeah um so again as we said last week um this is like this 
film starts with, I, I mean, it doesn't start with the Halloween theme. We'll go into why oh. later on because it uses it very, very carefully and only when it's needed. So it starts with like a lot of like um, out of context oh. Halloween yeah. decorations and stuff that provide like a really specific tone. And it's at that moment you kind of go, oh, right, this is not what I've come to expect from a Halloween movie. I'm usually, you know, usually what I get is black screen with a pumpkin or, you know, or a digitized pumpkin or something. Well, to be fair, with Halloween 1 and 2, you got flashbacks to start both of those that, movies. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, and then it goes into, like you were saying, in this case, there's no ground to retread because when you really think about it, how Halloween 2 looks compared to Halloween uh, 4, 88, that's eight years of difference. Yeah. And that's a, that, and, and in filmmaking time and technology and film stock, that is a tremendous leap forward in technology by 88. So yeah. to open that movie with un digitally, which didn't exist then, um, un, you know, uh, zhuzhed up footage from Halloween 2, um, probably would have looked like shit if they had done that so to open it like this a little more melancholy they're like i said last time they're filming in salt lake city uh four five and six which to me looks like the perfect haddonfield yeah. um i wouldn't change anything about that um but again it, it really it brings you in real quick and i think you know some movies do a pretty good job of trying to emulate that look and feel of those opening two minutes of Halloween four really, really well. Some of them do it really well. Some of them drop the ball, but any, you got me hook, line and sinker. If you're either a piece of work uh, or, you know, whether it's writing or film or whatever, and you can emulate and give me the same vibe as Halloween four at the beginning, you've got me hook, line and sinker. Oh yeah. And the tone of it is perfect. <laughs> like it, I like, I struggle to think of a film that opens set in its own tone as perfectly as this does um totally so agree we go into one of my absolute favorite like slasher movie tropes of all time yes. which is the, the patient transfer mm -hmm. uh, they come to pick up uh michael myers and uh, we get the best line in the film from raymond o'connor um because uh, the orderly says uh, the paramedic says jesus when people are screaming in the in the hallway and he says jesus ain't got nothing to do with this place and i was like I mean, that might be the best line I've ever heard in a film. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was there was a, an interesting uh, tweet. Uh, I guess it was yesterday from somebody in the, the horror literature community. And they were like, oh, I can't pull a quote from this book. So I guess that means it sucks, which I, I don't agree with that. If you if just because you can't pull a quote from it does not mean a book sucks. But if you can pull a quote from a movie like that one, yeah. <laughs> then you know it's damn good. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of the first things that gets said in the film, and so yeah. like everything after that is just meaningless words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all just downhill from there. But no, it is absolutely an incredible line. Like I remember, like th being thirteen years old and hearing that, and being like, you know, taken aback by how how good that line was. Yeah, you know, um, and. As a 13-year-old, I didn't quite even understand the full context of it either, you know, like, you know, so as an adult, it's just, it's one of those lines that, bosh, gets you, it sets, again, it's just tone setting all the time, you know, this place is full of, like, you know, the worst, 
and yeah. um, Michael Myers is the absolute worst of that, you know, and it's 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 good. It lays a lot of groundwork for the kind of facility that he's been put in. So yeah. it kind of informs you also, like, this isn't just a hospital that he's in. Like, they've they've done their due diligence. Like, whatever Loomis has done in that decade since has largely been effective. He's been kept in a maximum security like facility for individuals who are criminally insane even though he is in a coma it's he is in the place where he should be um at least until he could be tried which uh, you know uh, he can't because he's in a coma but um so it, it shows that it's effective and actually this predates um What's it called? Uh, Hannibal Lecter movie, Silence of the Lambs, too. Yeah, it does by quite a long time. Well, about three or four years. Yeah, so I'd be I'd be curious to think or curious to know. It, Jonathan, I don't think Jonathan Demi's with us anymore, right? But if there was any kind of like, huh, they did that really well in Halloween Four. Maybe I could ape that a little bit, like the whole <laughs> like menace of it, because he was a horror nerd. Like Jonathan yeah. Demi was a horror nerd. Like he worked for what's his face, Roger Corman or whatever. So. I do feel like the 90s was full of films that just kind of went, oh, how can we sneak horror into like proper people's living rooms? You know, like... Yeah, and then it gets get, called a thriller. Yeah, how can we get proper people into the cinema? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> how like, do we get the straights in here? <laughs> it's a thriller, it's a thriller like, you know, where this man eats someone else's face. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then he wins an Oscar for 12 minutes of work. Don't worry, it's not a slasher movie if it's Sharon Stone doing the slashing. You right. know, yeah. Um, so then we, uh, after a, a very brutal attack on the paramedics as they're transferring him, which is to be expected, um, or at least it is now. Well, which um, was added later too. Yeah, that yeah, effect yeah, of, of him control. pushing, uh, that was added later after. Well, apparently, you know. that's just done with shadows and yeah. you know, like some makeup. Um, awesome. You know, but it looks so good. Um, and that sound effect, the sound effect of his yeah, skull yeah. cracking is disgusting. That one gets, that one literally gets me every time. Oh, yeah. It's time. And they get, they do a similar thing with Brady later on. Um, yeah. Because I think, you know, they went, oh, right. Yeah, that kind of works. Where else can we put this? You know, uh, yeah. and it does work really well. So then we go and we meet uh, Jamie Lloyd, uh, who it turns out is Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, Laurie Strode's um, daughter. Uh, we find out that Laurie Strode and her husband, um, who I'm guessing we're assuming, as we talked about last time, is Lance from uh, Halloween 2. I think so. I think it almost has to be the the EMT from Halloween 2. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, we find out that she's been adopted by um, the... The Carruthers. Um, you know, um, which is kind of interesting because that's very much in line again with kind of the twist in Halloween too. We find out that Laurie Strode was adopted and was Michael Myers' adoptive sister. So, you know, it's yeah. some kind of nice juxtaposition there. Um, they're probably they're probably the most yuppie family in Haddonfield, possibly. Yeah. The dad is never seen not wearing a suit. Um, he kind of gives... This is something that, like, grates on me every time I see it. He... He's, he's such a dope his tie goes into his coffee and he turns to the wife he's like um hello it's like well asshole be a little more conscious <laughs> of your space and that's not going to happen you know it's just it's it's so obnoxious and of course there's some sort of oh we have to go to this dinner on halloween night you're going to get a promotion it's like 
Ugh, God. Like, they're, they're the most terminally unfun family I've ever seen. Yeah. Other than, like, I like Rachel and I like Jamie, but those parents, man, they suck. Yeah, they play very little part in this, though. Um, yeah. They're there basically to introduce us to Rachel and her her whole arc, which is basically, oh, why do I have to have a little sister? Like, I like her and all that, but she's also getting in the way of um, of me having a teenage life, you know? And it's like, yeah. the whole arc really is Rachel kind of going, oh, having a little sister's the worst, but actually well, also- I'd do anything to defend her when when you know when you realize it's Rachel realizing what's more important to her throughout the film absolutely and there's also you you could do a little more mental gymnastics with it too that before Jamie came along Rachel was an only child yeah now I don't know if you were an only child I'm certainly not an only child but I know only children and they love having the focus on them so if Rachel goes from being an only child to all of a sudden sharing her life with this little girl who comes from a damaged past and it's not her past that's damaged it's her parents yeah that's gonna be sort of a problem they're now dealing with all kinds of stuff the little girl's getting attention rachel's a teenage girl it is totally natural for her to feel this way um and so you can't fault her for wanting to have like a perfectly normal halloween with her boyfriend like i get it um you know i see it all the time as a teacher like these kids just want to have a good time yeah um, I should interject very quickly. I fucking mm-hmm. I took twenty minutes to talk about this last time. I'll try and skip over it as quickly as I can this time. Um, so um, when we first meet Michael Myers, it's during a dream sequence with where Jamie's kind of up at night. She's questioning her place in the family, um, and then um, Michael Myers appears in her bedroom and attacks her. Um, which is a scene used in the Halloween 4 episode of Family Guy, uh, which is like a really obscure reference to this movie. But um, George P. Wilbur, who plays Michael Myers, arguably, as we've said, is in our top two, I think, uh, people who've portrayed Michael Myers. Um, And, uh, yeah, it turns out that Todd Tucker, who, um, who, Tom Tucker, who is the local newscaster, uh, used to go by the name George P. Wilbur and played Michael Myers in Halloween 4. And this is like the story of an entire Family Guy episode. And they show <laughs> this clip, but with Tom Tucker dubbed over the top saying something along the lines of like, I have incredible psychological problems and I'm going to take them out on you. You know, like, uh, <laughs> and it's, hi, I'm Michael Myers. You know, like that kind of, and it's just absolutely fabulous. And there's even like a, an artist, like the Family Guy artist's rendition of the Halloween 4 cover that Peter's carrying around on DVD, you know, like <laughs> it's just fantastic, you know. Um, <laughs> and we talked about how cool it is that horror nerds like us are now writing episodes of Family Guy and stuff, like it's awesome. Yeah, no, and it's yeah, it's just like, and like, it's so obvious, especially from that season, I think, that somewhat, someone at Family Guy is like a mad Halloween fan and they're just like, every opportunity, like how can I get more Halloween stuff in here? And they're going to think it's dead random. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it feels like. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, I, I always like to mention that. If you haven't seen it, the, go and find the, uh, I can't remember what it's called, what the actual episode's called. Um, but you should be able to search Halloween for Family Guy episode and, uh, and, and find that. So the first <laughs> big set piece in this film is the mechanic station. So um, Donald Pleasance comes along 
and he's like, you know, oh, you fucking dicks, how could you let, how could you let them escape? He's escaped. And they're like, well, like, all right, fucking, you know, and I like, and again, as I said last week, I think you'd just get a lot more help out of people if he was like, excuse me, like, I don't want to panic you, but, <laughs> but still, I'm like, certain that, that maniac is going to head through his hometown. So, like, don't panic. <laughs> if we all just get in the car and just drive over there, just have a look. But instead he's yeah. like, who's going to that town? Everyone who dies is on your conscience. You know, and he's, they're like, fuck he's off. Not wrong. Um, he's not wrong. He's not no. wrong, though. Like, he's I do think, like, I, I do say, I do really think, though, that, like, you know, I live kind of by it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. So for him to go really off the rails right away to jump to 90 miles an hour is understandable because he oh, did yeah, almost yeah. die, you know, a, he, well, did, no, he didn't almost die in the first one. He really didn't um, get in harm's way really until the end. But in, in the second one, he is in harm's way, like 60% of that movie. So like, I get his frustration. I also get like administration being brain dead and not listening to him um which he's no doubt been dealing with for however long michael's been his patient um whether it's hoffman who is by the way one of my favorite sneaky 80s actors who was in not only rocky four as ivan drago's manager but Ah. also uh, he was also in the baby currently streaming on shutter which is like one of my favorite and one of my wife's favorite really creepy horror movies oh is that the one you were going to mention last week yeah, oh, yeah. See, I thought you were going to mention Sasha Jensen, um, who plays Brady, because he was the um, the boyfriend slash vampire in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, and I was like, oh, yeah. oh a sneaky connection to uh, <laughs> to, to to the original Buffy movie there. Um, I do know. like the original Buffy movie. That oh, is a man, fact. Like, and I, you know what? I like it more now that Joss Whedon hates it and all that stuff yep. came out. I'm like, I've always liked it, but he's always disliked it. Uh, but now I'm like, oh, well, if he hates it, I love it more. You know, yeah. so, it's, uh, so that, <laughs> it's, it's worked out really well for me. Although I did find out that uh, Christy Swanson has some um, dubious uh, political stances. So I was like, oh, man, you give with one hand and you take oh. away with the other. You know, that sucks. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, no. But I, if you go in and just imagine Sarah Michelle Geller is the lead, you, you know, you get the best of both worlds, I think. Yeah, I would say but, so. Yeah, like, it's probably my favorite Luke Perry movie. Uh, yeah. Well, he, I, the, the, I'll just talk about Luke Perry very quickly here. I feel bad because uh, I think we kind of gave a raw deal to Luke Perry because he really wasn't a bad actor. That's number one. And number two, wasn't he in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? And, or maybe he had his part cut out because he died around that same yeah, time that they were making good. that. And I think that they were attempting a comeback because he was on River uh, Riverdale too. Um, uh, and he was, he was excellent on Riverdale. Yeah, he's a great actor. <laughs> it, yeah, and it's really a shame. Uh, the, the best, you know, I actually, he was putting in, in a mushroom suit and that's what I want when I die. I want to be putting a, a mushroom suit as well. So I kind of got that from him. So, yeah, you know what that is? Where it's like, where you, they surround you with like, it's like a fungal. Yeah. Of, yeah. They, they, then they bury you in like a shallow grave and then the, the mycelium just takes care of you. 
That's what I want. That's yeah. That's... Yeah. Or I might come back as a as a vampire and float around outside Luke Perry's window. That would be awesome. I, Who wouldn't want to do that? I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> You're floating, man. Was that the first time we all saw David Arquette in a movie, by the way? Uh, that... Yeah, it might be, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a great actor. Um, I, I love Arquette. You'll never hear me say anything bad about David Arquette. Um, right. So uh, where are we? Yeah. So then we get the crazy priest. Oh, we're not actually, no. So we got the mechanic station. Um, yeah. Where Which Michael is like the, the big opening. Yeah, that's like the big set piece. The first big one. And it's, uh, it, again, it's another one of the slasher tropes that I really like, which is like, we go through like a bit of a rigmarole to get hold of like the cost, the, the official costume that we know. So he steals the guy's um, overalls. And then we get the, that amazing shot where Donald Pleasance walks in and he goes, don't go back to that town, Michael. And he's dressed in like this super cool alternative costume. Again, said last week, but Michael Myers doesn't have a lot of alternative costumes. So the, the bandage head Michael Myers is kind of like, Apart from clown child Michael Myers, I guess. Um yeah. is the only real alternative costumes that we get until we get into like Rob Zombie stuff. But I try not to count. Yeah. That, you know, so um so we get a really cool kind of like alternative take on the Myers costume. Um and then, Which looks great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, I think you and I both said that if there was like a Funko Pop of that oh, man, alternative yeah. costume, we'd buy it in about two seconds. Yeah, a hundred percent like. You know, yeah, I want that like the Halloween four video box art figure, you know, with the with bandage face Myers inside, you know, yeah, crowbar or whatever it is that he murders the uh, the uh, the mechanic with. It is, yeah, uh, I think it is a crowbar. But yeah, Don Pleasant says, "Go, go back to that town, Michael. If you want to kill somebody, kill me." Uh, <laughs> and then he goes, "You fucking son of a bitch," because we don't see actually <laughs> what happens. But he's gone, isn't he? he shoots at him and he's gone. Um, huh. We talked about this quite in depth last week. Um, you know that, like, it's kind of a if it's it's a weird edit, but it feels like it's cut for for Donald Pleasant's performance more than it is, yeah. you know. And it it does it, it's a weird moment that kind of stands out, but it does work, I think. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. You're not going to cut away from that. He's giving you gold, you yeah. know. And that's that's the thing that makes Dwight Little smarter than somebody like Halloween Six's Joe Chappelle or literally anybody or the guy Dominique Othenin Gerard um infinitely smarter than those two you don't cut away when someone's giving you gold and literally he is giving you manna from heaven uh with that particular line reading it's just awesome yeah it's fantastic uh yeah so um next we have uh this is the thing I always hate in films I don't think I, met, I got around to mention it last week but um, even in this film, again, one of my favorite films of all time, it really stands out. Um, kids in movies are excessively mean. Um, mm. Like, so I mean, I was a kid around mean kids, you know, like kids who would stab you, uh, you know. <laughs> so, um, but there was like, there was like a, like, there was an absolute line. Like, if like, yeah. your parent had died, they'd be like, oh, don't, you, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll stick a knife in your stomach, but I won't. Uh, but I won't take this out of your dead parent. It sounds so much more threatening you saying it with your beautiful accent. You know, it's like, I'll stick, I'll stick a knife in your stomach. 
<laughs> beautiful like it's fucking great like it just sounds awesome coming from you I'll come here that's not offensive did I just offend everybody I'm so, I didn't mean to offend no no, no no you're right you're right beautiful United Kingdom I but, like uh, it <laughs> we've lost we don't have I don't I don't even have a New York accent like I, sh- I should be talking like this, say hey, oh, you know, like I, I don't have that. Like so I, I have like a you know, homogenized American. That's pretty much what I sound like. I, think. I, I mean, I've I, West I don't. I've heard that, but there's not. You have like a kind of general, uh, kind of coastal accent. I'll take it. Yeah, there's no, um, you know, <laughs> you're not drawling or anything. You know, like no, or anything. And like- it's it's. And it's funny because I mean, uh, and you when you were doing your Donald Pleasance before, I've heard some Donald Pleasances. Okay, I consider myself an expert of Donald Pleasance impressions. I can't do one, but yours is pretty damn good. I, I appreciate that. I do. I'll be. I do work on it often. It's it's good. One, it's one that comes out the back fairly <laughs> frequently, as you can imagine. Um, well, I do a David Lynch. That I, that's the only act. That's the only impression that I work on frequently is my David Lynch. I, see, I'm a terrible one, but my friend, my friend Lewis, uh, who never, who never listens to these, I'm sure. Uh, I guess I'll find out when he doesn't comment on it. Um, uh, is he does a good David Lynch? Um, oh, nice. Do the uh, the uh, remember to leave me a plate of coffee, but also in the pa- in the future, but also in the past. <laughs> 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 I just love that it's a plate of coffee. <laughs> that's from Family Guy, right? Yeah, it is. It's the uh, it's the Family Guy David Lynch. Uh, oh, that's good. That is good. Every time he comes up, we go. Remember to leave in future. Remember to leave me a plate of coffee. Also in the past. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of kids in this who are going like Jamie's mommies. Oh, mommy. Oh, mommy. The kid wearing, that's the kid wearing uh, the cartoon mask. Oh, yes. Uh, outfit, which those toys were way cooler than the actual show. But it has one of the best theme tunes of any cartoon of that era. Like, yeah. and it, that makes how boring the show is worse. Because you're like, okay, what a, what a theme song. And then you're like, so it's just I've always felt that way. I've always felt that way about Mask. I've always felt that way. And I, I might get some shit for this. I've never liked Thundercats, but I've always liked the Thundercats theme song. Uh, the Thundercats theme song is really good. I, to be honest, I, see, I came from Masters of the Universe, which, um, if you could see, this war is covered in Masters of the Universe figures. Um, <laughs> but I was never a big fan of the cartoon. I mean, obviously, I watched it a lot as, as a child, but... yeah. Like I felt like it was like a really dumbed down version of like a cool, like fantasy sci-fi thing, um, and so yeah, Thundercats was a bit of a step up in terms of animation. The, the animation on He-Man and the Master Universe, some of the cheapest animation going, you know. So Thundercats yeah. did stand out, but I am I'm certainly more of a Ninja Turtle slash Bucky O'Hare kind of guy. Absolutely, so, I could not agree with you more uh, when it comes to animation. Um, Man, we got really sidetracked. Although that does tie into the fact that the Michael Myers mask well, in this film. Well, it's 80s. It's like the 80s. And, and I will say this, like when I'm when I'm watching those kids, like I was a bit of a bully when I was in like elementary school and stuff. I never threatened to stab anybody like in your school. But 
And, you know, I was, I would knock things out of kids' hands. I would, you know, make fun of them or their brother or sister or whatever. Like, I was a piece of shit. But, like, so for them to be bullying her, I certainly wouldn't bully a little girl whose parents were dead. Yeah, like, like, there's, I, like there's like, a, there's like a line that children have, like, and I see it in movies all the time where kids are, like, excessively mean. And I'm like, what? Like, kids aren't like that. Like, they'll kill you. They'll take you to the woods and sure. pop you up to the Slender Man. Unless your parents have died, in which case they'd right. be like, oh, no, I mean, they've been through more. The parents died. Yeah. But, you like, when, when you read, like, Stephen King, nobody writes bullies better than Stephen King, I yeah. guess, right? So, like, you know, in the 50s and, I guess, up to the 80s or whatever, even in, well, I don't know, when does Christine take place? Is that the 70s or 80s? I don't know. But I think that, you know, the bullies in that certainly, may, and but actually those bullies are the kind of bullies you're talking about. The ones that like, I'm just going to fucking stab you. Cause that one kid does whip out a knife yeah. in the middle of the class. So like, yeah, that is, yeah, that's true. But I remember, you know, some, some kids being particularly nasty to other kids and like physical. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. If anybody was going to cross a line, it definitely would have been me. And I never did so yeah like it's just this weird movie trope that i see all the time like kids rip on shit like that like and i'm like yeah they just don't like yeah. you know i'm not saying kids certainly aren't, not, aren't yes there's certainly not nowadays people. you know yeah. certainly not nowadays like but i think it's good because like as a teacher like i go in expecting kids to be the worst that they possibly could be and they usually rise above that yeah so um, i mean what you're saying is as long as they're not halloween four kids you you're good yeah if you know. they're not saying jamie's mommy is a mommy like and then they turn around because they see her dressed as a clown they have a total 180 later on it's like yeah they're like oh you look cool now you're dressed as a psychotic murderer who's only popular in this town come right. join us <laughs> you want to go get some kid get the mom and joy let's go uh so then we make the crazy priest um, we talked about Reverend, in loads of depth last week. Um, Reverend P, Reverend uh, Sayer, who is one yeah, of my all-time favorite like, movie characters. He feels like a remnant from the early drafts of the script where Michael Myers wasn't like a physical being, but he was more like a kind of... Uh, a like metaphysical a sort of um, like idea, yeah. I a guess, or like a nightmare. Towns... Yeah. And... He, also, he also is is very, I think, connected connective tissue wise to crazy ralph from yeah. friday the oh, 13th absolutely. yeah he's like i would love to write i would love to write a, a novella about a crazy ralph type character and a reverend sayer character teaming up to fight some oh sort my of god evil. how good would that be like be awesome you know so much fun from town to town warning kids about various you know uh various like don't go up there you know and then all right they've gone up there come on get the gun <laughs> Get the gun as well. <laughs> They've gone up there. Come on. You know, they didn't listen. So, you know. I'd, yeah, I like that. That's good. Um, so uh, I mentioned this again. I mentioned this last week. But when I was a kid, uh, I used to run a Halloween, one of the first websites I designed. Well, you know, mm -hmm. trained train to be a web designer. I was about 16 years old. One of the first websites I designed was my own little Halloween fan site. Um. And because of that, you know, obviously we used to link to a lot of other Halloween sites, and there was a lot in the, in the oh, middle yeah. that existed. But my favourite one was a, uh, a site called Bucky's Power Plant, and it was dedicated to Bucky the Power Plant worker from this film who gets, 
he's got one scene and he gets thrown on onto the like electrical um what's the word like the trans pylon yeah he gets thrown uh, onto the pylons and it puts out all the power in the town um and like a, like he literally had his own website it was a one page but just full of trivia about this character um and animated gifs of him being thrown on you know <laughs> transformers and all this stuff and uh there's a bit in it where he goes don't you fucking dare go anywhere. And I'm like, don't say that to Michael Myers. Like, if there's one person you want to leave. Like, he's, and then he's like, he's like, I'm on the phone with the police right now. And it's like, motherfucker, no, you're not. You're standing right in front of the serial killer. Yeah. And he's like, don't you dare go anywhere. You'd more likely be like, look, F off or I'll call the police. You know? Yeah. And like, we know Michael Myers from when Buster Rhymes did that to him. He'd just go, oh, right. Uh, Cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. He would have done that, but you know. Hopefully. Don't you dare go anywhere. Michael Myers is like, listen, I only do what I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Uh, um, I, I should also mention that they do then become suspicious that Myers is there because of a murdered dog, um, which is like a thing that Michael Myers does. Um, mm -hmm. Which always amazes me that he's such a popular serial killer because, like, people are like su super cool with him murdering teenagers and little girls and little boys and whatever. But he's, you know, dog murder is that's not cool. But no, people seem no. to forget. But he's quite like a bit of an obsession with it as well. Like, um, he's not like it's Jason the... where he looks at a dog and it just jumps out the window. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the things that they cut out of Halloween 2018 was uh the dead dog um right. yeah a, a dead dog was like hung in a tree and uh jamie lee curtis in that movie's granddaughter is on her morning run and sees it um but that's like one of the things that they cut out i don't know why uh because it would have just been more connective <laughs> tissue to the original i guess maybe yeah. it would have slowed things down a little more but you know i don't know it's always a weird thing i think that he seems to be a bit obsessed with murder and dogs well he eats them remember he he eats the dog in the first he eat, like because they're like what is that oh it's a dog oh he got hungry is what loomis says in the original so like i guess yes, the implication is that he'll kill it to remove it as a protective entity but he'll also if he gets hungry he's gonna eat it i guess it's better than the rat burgers he eats in halloween 8 where he's like de doing a demolition man under the house like mm -hmm. rat burger. yeah sounds delicious uh i'll just stick this one on a nail for later <laughs> uh, so um then we get like a so right th this is what i really like to go into we went into it quite a lot last week but i'll try i'll try and keep it you know tighter than i did last time but so there's a bit of a love triangle in this where yeah. um ellie cornell uh rachel is going out with brady uh or they're kind of dating but she's looking for uh I really think Brady was going to make a commitment, is what she says. Yeah. Um, which is why she's angry at Jamie in the first place. Um, yeah. So because she can't meet up with Brady, um, he then when they go trick or treating, he sees that she he she, that Brady is hanging out with Kelly, the blonde from the mart where they both work. Um, yeah. And yeah, been you know doing it behind her back. Um, so the well, film kind hang of hang on. Well, well, wait. We don't know that they've been doing it behind her back. Yeah. The implication yeah. that I get is this is their first time 
yeah, hanging sorry, out together. Yes, um, but Rachel thinks that she's with Brady. Brady knows mm-hmm. that Rachel thinks that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it sets up Kelly, who's also the sheriff sheriff maker's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, not in real life in the film. Um, <clears throat> as uh, <laughs> as like the bad guy. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, and I when I. I also feel really bad for her in the film because one, she does nothing wrong, but slasher movie tropes kind of go, she's the promiscuous one, so she's bad, you know. Um, and then there's a bit later on, so they all re- they all lock themselves in the sheriff's house. They deadbolt the whole thing. Brady goes and hammers up the uh, the attic. The attic, and the sheriff says uh, he gives him a shotgun. He says, "You know how you know you know how you use one of these?" He goes, "Yes, sir." And then he says. Something along the lines of uh, he goes, I've catch a grope of my daughter. I'll use that thing on you. And like <laughs> the look on his face, he doesn't even turn around, and look at him, he just goes, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> And I really like that moment. I think well, it's-, it, it's cool too because they really do set Sheriff Meeker up as like a legitimate badass. Whereas, like, oh, yeah. you know, Sheriff Brackett in the original movie is set up to be like, he's just, he's like a dad, he's a nice guy. Uh, yeah, he's he not really doesn't want to be dealing with any of that kind of stuff. No, no. Whereas Sheriff Meeker's like, oh, we're gonna go kill this motherfucker. Yeah, like, this shit is down for I real. I mean, he does have like like a weird lack of emotion though when he arrives at the police station and all of his friends are dead, and he's like, they wouldn't have gone down without a fight. Like, yeah. I'm like, you work with these people day in, day out, man. Like, you know, psychologically, yeah. that would have an effect on your job. But he's too bad. Yeah, that would have been that would have been his bracket finding Annie in Halloween yeah. two moment. I think at least until but, uh, Kelly is gone. Yeah, they end up at the house. So you now you've got the Rachel Brady Kelly love triangle. Donald Pleasance is there. Sheriff Meek mm-hmm. is there. The deputy sheriff. Deputy. There. Um, yeah. And uh, so, like again, they try to set Kelly up as a bad guy, but it never works. Like she goes. Oh hi everyone! I'll go make everyone coffee, and you're like, oh yeah, what a bitch, you know? Right, right. <laughs> um, and it's totally unfair, and it's it's this is maybe the one thing I'll fault the filmmakers for is like this kind of lame adherence to like the rules of the yeah, slasher yeah. genre, um, because you, like you said, she does nothing wrong, and in fact, it's she's and you mentioned this last time, and I'll make this point for you, she is not promiscuous because earlier in the film she is hit on by arguably a more handsome friend Absolutely. of Brady's and she rejects him she so does really she goes, uh, he goes he goes to ask her out and she goes fuck off Wade so she's not like she's like a floozy she's not no she knows what she around wants. like she's some kind of Sharon Stone you know she's uh... <laughs> a little scream reference for everybody yeah, no, there. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> but she's she's a young lady who knows what she wants. It happens to be Brady. I don't know why everybody wants Brady, but nevertheless, she gets what she is, I guess, looking for. Not in the yeah, sense that she wants that. Rachel. Yeah, and and then and I made the point last time that we have a tendency to blame the other woman or yeah, the other yeah. party, but we don't blame the cheater. And really, we should all be looking at Brady and being like, "Well, he's a piece of shit." For yeah. two-timing a nice girl with another nice girl. Yeah, and like so, like a cup. So yeah, like Rachel, like she says as much to Rachel. Really, she says, you know, if you don't wise up, you'll, you know, Brady won't be the first 
man you lose to another woman. And Rachel's response is, and I mean, bear in mind, she's been a bit of a fucking asswipe this entire film, throws hot coffee on her while she's just wearing a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, like, now, I guess it wasn't that warm because she doesn't really react to anything but a slight annoyance, which yeah. is weird. Why is the coffee that cold? But, uh, <laughs> but like, she doesn't know that. All she sees no. is cups of coffee. So she throws it, like, um, and then it, it, like, I mean, it's a good moment, but Brady kind of, like, gets that cliched moment where, he, like, he's a piece of shit, but he defends them to the last and gives his life up so they can escape. So he gets, like, a moment where he's, uh, you know, he's uh, vindicated from being a piece of shit, essentially. You know. He puts up a good fight. He really does put up a pretty good fight. He does. He literally punches Michael Myers right yeah. in the fucking face. Well, as um, we said last week, imagine if instead of that, Brady's the one who gets pinned to the door. Mm -hmm. And Kelly Maker, daughter of the badass sheriff who's taken off, you know, a leaf out of her father's book. Yep. It's the person who does that, who punches Michael Myers in the face, you know, tries to shoot him and gives them time to escape. I and just... then, and that would actually, so that does two things now, what you just said, which is a better choice than what they made. That does two things. Number one, the pinning of a guy to the wall, more connective tissue to Halloween one. Yeah. All right. And then number two, you know, you feel bad. This also allows you to feel bad for Kelly because like not only is Kelly an uninjured party, really, she's also lovely. So to see Michael Myers destroy her face like that is a particular insult. Yeah, yeah. Which would then be like, we want to see him die more now because that she has been, not that Rachel is is not attractive because she is, but yeah. Kelly is what is what would typically be like the eighties sort of um, aesthetic, I guess you would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think yeah, like. It's a shame, but I, I, like films just weren't ready for that then. Like, you know, no. that's just that's just the way it was. You know, you'd like people like Jamie Lee Curtis and Ripley and, um, you know, Sarah Connor. Well, I mean, Sarah Connor didn't exist in the form that we've come to know her, I think, at the yeah, time. That's true. You know, were the outliers rather than the standard. And I think, you know, I think it just. That wasn't even a thing that would have crossed the writer's mind, I don't think, really, at the time. You know, I think having the final girl be Ellie and learn her lessons and learn what's important to her was kind of more than enough than you would usually get in a film like this. Yeah, that, for sure. You know, so I, I'm not faulting the film, but I do think in retrospect, there's a lot of unexplored stuff that could have happened there. Um, yeah. So um, very quickly, I'll go into, um, you know, and then we'll work our way towards the end of the film. Um, but we did mention last week that instead of Rachel being the character, because she does mention at the beginning of the film that um, Jamie Lee Curtis used to babysit, mm -hmm. and we said last time, like, why wasn't that Lindsay Wallace? Right. I think I think the fact that well, yeah, we we talked about that. It would have been more interesting if it was Rachel, if it was Lindsay instead of Rachel. And I mentioned that her friend in the car is Lindsay. Yeah. And I think that's supposed to be Lindsay Wallace. Um, but again, I totally agree with you that it would have been far more interesting if it was the Wallace family, because then you have them saying, well, it makes sense for us to take her in. She protected our daughter 10 yeah. years ago. Absolutely. And like, 
it makes more sense that like we don't want you leaving a girl alone on Halloween night in this town. Like after what happened to you, surely you understand that. And you know, yeah. it gives Lindsay the impetus to be like, oh, like, but I'm just trying to move on with my life. And like, you know, like this is kind of an important day for me to try and do that, really. Yeah. You know. Um and, I, and, yeah, I don't know. I just, just I feel getting... like it's a bit of a missed opportunity, especially when we got Doyle in part six. You kind of go, Well, you could what great. could be what could be really interesting too, if that if she had been Lindsay instead of Rachel, you could have had Tommy not as uh, Brady, but you could have had Tommy as sort of outside of the house trying to get in to help them kind of thing. That he's the guy who's always had a crush on Lindsay and blah 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 blah. And again, that would have been taken from the unproduced Halloween Four script. He could have been the little weirdo outsider as he was yeah. presented to be in that. So. Again, uh, I think you and I really are in total agreement that the Dennis Etchison script of Halloween 4 is really the biggest missed opportunity and possibly yeah. in horror history. But I am very, like we both said, we both adore Halloween 4, the one that we got, but the one that they could have done. Yeah, would yeah. Have I been... mean, it's amazing that like one of our favorite films could have been even, well, I, you know, I think it could have been considered like a masterpiece. Yeah. You know, like outside of the obscurity of being into horror movies, you know, I think yeah, very easily it could have been an Exorcist three or whatever. But um, I totally agree. Um, so then we get the rooftop set piece, which is very good, um, where Michael Myers is chasing them around on a roof. Although he seems to be able to walk particularly well on a fucking roof, like you know, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can barely walk on normal floor. I definitely, I can't walk on sand to save my life. I mean, you almost feel like you could just walk up the side of the house as a normal pace, you know, like like in the sixties Batman. Yeah, I'm coming to get you. I'll never. Um, and then uh, we get this the start of another weird thing that happens in the Halloween. This is it happens in this movie, and then it really continues in Halloween Five, but is um. Loomis basically pretending he's trying to help this little girl, but really he's like, if, you, if I take you here, Michael Myers will come and then we'll catch him, you know? And he, he constantly like, come on, this way. Like, <laughs> as if like he's helping, but he's really like using this little girl to fucking lure Michael Myers out. And he does that. Oh yeah. And then we get the weird blonde Michael Myers, which we talked about in depth last week uh, again. So there's like a bit where Michael Myers comes out and he's blonde. So anyway, I did some research into that and it turns out that um, there's a bit where loads of Michael Myers appear. Yes. Um, which again, I think we said it might be a remnant from this, the initial script um, where he's more of a manifestation than a, um, than a physical being. Right. Um, but they had a bunch of Myers masks made up in like loads of different colors for that scene that I don't mm -hmm. think got used. Someone picked one up um, put it on because it was as close to white as they could find at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously in the light and stuff, they no one noticed on camera. Uh, I mean, this is back in the day before you had these huge digital monitors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the time they did notice, they were like, we're not giving you the money to reshoot it. So that's staying in there. It was also um, late at night. It was also supposedly late at night when they filmed it. So like you gonna like these are people, you know, like they're gonna be tired. They're gonna make mistakes. Like it's not, you know, I, I don't. It, I remember as a little kid being like, and my dad and I watching this movie and being like, oh, that's weird. 
even on video on like vhs we could see it clearly it's like well why does he look like that well, well we came up eye? with a pretty good fun theory though i think last week for what this was i don't know if you remember <laughs> you so did. you did donald pleasance <laughs> knocks him the fuck out and then they run outside the uh the truckers pull up and they'll go come on let's go let's go they all get in the trucks and they drive off um myers is nowhere to be fucking seen like you know they yeah. run away from him get in the trucks drive off um so it is weird that like five minutes later he's hanging on the bottom of a truck for what 10 miles or something as the state police head into town you know um myers comes crawling up on the top of the truck so our theory was that perhaps that wasn't michael myers at all it was in fact ben tramer from halloween the ghost of ben tramer from halloween 2 um and he's like attacking donald pleasant's like you fucking dick you got me run over and sit on fire uh <laughs> you know <laughs> fuck you um so it's actually the ghost of ben tramer attacking donald pleasance um but in that time he bought myers like a distraction so that he could like climb on the bottom of the car which by the way in yeah. long shots he is definitely not hanging on um <laughs> you know, yeah so michael myers climbs up onto the it feels like fucking jaws or something doesn't it like a little bit you know he climbs up onto the truck this is what I'm talking about. In the first film, he scares a couple of people out of a car, Donald Pleasance and uh, the, yeah. the, uh, the nurse, and then he gets in and drives off. And this feels like that, but, like, you know, instead he climbs up on the truck and he's like, you go on the road, you go on the road, and you go on the road, yeah. and uh, you dead. Um, I like that Rachel just fucking pushes the guy out of the car, not checking yeah. to see if he's dead or not. Like, he gets grabbed a bit, and she's like, oh, fuck, yeah, get out. <laughs> You know, like see you later. Thanks, um, thanks for the ride. Well, this is where the most interesting thing in the film comes into play, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Rachel takes over the car. Michael Myers is hanging on the top, and she pour she slams the brakes on. Michael Myers gets thrown, um, you know, across it, it into like in front of a tree or something. Um, and she's like, "Motherfucker, right? That's it. Trick or treat." You know, yeah. she busts yeah. rhymes him. Um. And she gets her final girl moment where she goes, she's been a bit of a wet lettuce up until now. And she goes, fuck this. And she puts her pedal to the metal, as they say, and runs him down, you know, and finishes him off. Yeah. Um, as the police and uh, some of the truckers and stuff, it is the state police, isn't it? The truckers are dead now. Yeah. Yeah. They, they um, got the state police and whatever's left of the Hadfield <laughs> PD. Yeah. So they, um, they show up just as Jamie Lee. So they're like, oh, it's over. Here's the police. And then um, Jamie Lloyd's like, oh, or like, what's what's going on with him? Uh, so she goes yeah. over and she touches him. Um, and there's like a moment, like it's, at the time it seems weird, but we understand why later on. Um, and then suddenly he, sit, he grabs the knife and he sits up and the police just start shooting the shit out of him and he falls into the ground. Um, I think we find out he fell down a mine shaft in like Halloween five, but at the time yeah. it just feels like he gets swallowed by the earth. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. <clears throat> um, Final resting place type stuff. Yeah. Like it, he is well and truly dead. And then uh, we go back to the house. It's all over. You know, um, the mother's running a bath when suddenly we say Michael Myers is back and he's fucking sneaking around the house. And I remember, as even as a thirteen-year-old, going, "No fucking like how, how? Yeah. Like how the truck? I was a little bit like because everybody's on. there. Everybody's <clears throat> in the house. Loomis is there. 
sheriff is there who by the way he doesn't know that his fucking daughter is dead yet um oh yeah everybody's there the dad is there uh, literally ever and there's cops everywhere and so you're like it's fucking everything's well lit in here like how how did this dude sneak past how did a six foot tall creep sneak in yeah and then we hear the mother screaming and donald pleasance and the sheriff run to the bottom of the stairs guns fucking pointed and it's jamie lloyd she's inherited the curse when she when she she's i call it the transfer of evil when she touched her uncle the curse was transferred to her and it's at that moment that the halloween theme starts playing for the second time in the film, I think, yep. in a meaningful way. I think we've had little hints of it, you know, slowed down, synthesized and stuff. But this is the full Halloween music, you know, yeah. beat for beat. And, and even and leading up to that is even the Lord, uh, the the Haddonfield theme or the Myers theme. Yeah. Of the... And I think it's probably the best ending to any film like any horror film i've ever seen which is why it's my favorite i think um yeah. because it then suddenly just goes dead as donald pleasance is screaming yeah well, as he does uh, which i'm yeah. fairly certain is what they recycle for the end of halloween six yeah because uh, he was dead by the time they yeah. filmed that um and then it ends but not like with the halloween themes we've become used to for these films by now it ends with just that eerie soundscape from the beginning. Yep. I remember as a kid watching it, and I'd started watching it like in the middle of the afternoon. And by the time that bit rolled rolled round, it had got dark outside. And I remember suddenly being fully aware that I was just sat in a darkened room after seeing probably the scariest thing I'd ever seen up to that point on TV. <laughs> I'd be like, oh fuck. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's just. I, it's just so good. It ends so well. Um, yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, the big downside is that they don't really pay it off in the next movie. Um, Halloween 5, I've, I've come to grow an appreciation for a lot of it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but its biggest sin is that it doesn't take the fucking glorious, glowing Halloween button that's handed to it and and run with it and i think um i think that's a big shame i think it's i think it's weird that the, the i think the whole story of halloween five is weird from seeing this guy's the uh, dominic the dominique othin and gerard's like weird victorian horror movie at con and thinking well he's the right guy for the job <laughs> that's yeah. weird that's weird it's also weird that halloween kills brought him back as second unit director what Yes, Halloween Kills brought back Dominique Othin and Gerard to do some directing and stuff as second unit and also behind the scenes stuff. Why would you bring back the guy who made one of the biggest pieces of shit in the franchise? Yeah. I'll never know. What's Dwight Little doing? Exactly. Considering that this Halloween Kills really pulls a lot of plot points from this. Like, and we finally get Lindsay Wallace back. Um, I mean, she, she doesn't survives. really do much. Um, well, no, she doesn't do much, but she does live. Yeah, um, but you know, I think I think that could have been something quite special, you know, like um, ha finally having her back in the franchise. But again, they just—I feel like they didn't really know what to do with her. I don't um, get it. Uh, yeah. and, and five introduces the thorn 
background. Uh, well, I which think there's pays some off six, but... there's some hints toward it in this. Um, yeah, but yeah, this it really runs with it. Um, which, which to be fair, I mean that ground is laid in Halloween too. The idea of like, oh, the one in a family sacrifice one yeah, yeah. whole family to save the the whole thing. You know, like that's well, all I there. Mean, to some degree, the kind of cult angle is mentioned early on in the first film um, with the the drawing on the wall and and that's you know oh uh, see now stuff. See, you're talking about the stuff that they film specifically as an added material which is fine i, I love yeah. that stuff i i'll take that stuff all day long i love it but if you're going if you're a traditionalist that's uh, yeah not i know there. i know i know but I, yeah. but I'm with you. I like all that stuff. That's my favorite version of the yeah. original Halloween. I think is it's the stuff why that they filmed. I like Halloween Six. Halloween Six is it's not. It's probably not quite up there with Halloween Four for me. No, I no, but I, I like Halloween Six. But I, I like like Halloween Six kind of puts right what I feel like Halloween Five did wrong. Yeah, you know, I totally like, agree. Um, at least it tries to do something more with it. Like yeah, um, and like. Uh, I mean, I must have read a thousand fucking Halloween 7 scripts, you know, since then. And, like, yeah. that was a really great direction for the franchise. Tommy Doyle, you could have brought back Lindsay Wallace, could have had all that stuff, but yep. they didn't, uh, you know. Um, but I think um, even though Halloween 7 and certainly Halloween 8 tried to rewrite write this film out of existence... Mm -hmm. I always like to imagine that there was a concurrent story up to up till they decided to do away with every sequel altogether. Um, well, oh, yeah. they, they supposedly had a scene in the script in H2O where she learns that Jamie Lloyd is dead. Um, that, that, and they weren't going to re they, they weren't going to totally wipe out four, five and six, but then they ended up doing that. Well, I feel like Seven leaves enough lee room to kind of go, oh, so she faked her own death. Cool. Um, yeah. But eight tries to go, no, like he's only killed those 16 people in Haddonfield, you know. Yeah. Um, but like I, I said last week, I always like to, and I mean, I was a big part of forums and stuff at the time when, you know, yeah. in the 90s when uh, all this stuff was being made. So we always theorized that, like, uh, they tried to cover up the return of Michael Myers from, like, four to six. And I'm like, that's cool because that makes sense because the cult was like, yeah. yeah, we can't let it get out that we did all this. So, well, oh, yeah. And also by Halloween six, Halloween is banned in Haddonfield. Like that, they're just like, no, 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 no more. Which again is taken from the unproduced Halloween four script. Yeah. I've, and I've, I've talked to Dan Farrens, the guy who wrote Halloween six, and like he's, and like, you know, it's never been anything more than like a little bit here and there. The guy is super nice. He was super passionate about the Halloween franchise. And he had a very difficult task laid before him to kind of tie up as many loose ends as he could. And I think um, he did a fucking great job, to be quite honest. Um, yeah, I agree. Especially if you see the producer's cut, I think that really ties it up. Like, you know, like, not perfectly, but enough. The best um, it can. And, and I mean, to be honest, it opens a load of doors for what could have been a really interesting way forward. But yep. I guess we'll never know. I guess not. There were comic books uh, that did continue. But they, uh, they, they never got to that one. They announced the Thorn one and then it didn't 
uh, you know, it didn't happen, which was very. I'm always on the lookout for those. So if any any collectors are willing to part with the, or I've only got a couple, but if you have, if any collectors out there have all of the Halloween comic books, uh, feel free to get in touch because I will buy them from you. Oh. Uh, well, that, look, thank you for joining me, Robert. No, thank you for having me, man. This was awesome. And like I said, like it didn't even feel like we were redoing it. Like I could. Yeah, talk about to be honest. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's basically been the same conversation, but better probably. Yeah, works <laughs> but, for know, me, man. I, I, I mean, really appreciate. It might you surprise people you know. to know that we didn't go off on anywhere near as many tangents this time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's true, but, but uh, no, have, it was have, great. You any, uh, have you got anything you'd like to promote or anything before we go? Yeah, um, I have a book out right now called The Triangle. It is a cosmic horror uh, young adult uh, novel. It is the start of a trilogy. The second one should be out probably by either late July, early August. So you'll have two out of the three of those to read over the summer if you want. Um, I also have uh, my second collection of short fiction, Her Infernal Name and Other Nightmares, uh, available now. You can check that out wherever fine and super shady books are sold. And uh, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Robert Otone, R-O-B-E-R-T-O-T-T-O-N-E. Thanks very much. Um, and yeah, if you want to catch these early, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Michael, M-Y-C-H-O. Uh, you get these about a month early. Um, so you probably get this one this month if you're listening to this on Patreon. Otherwise, they come out, uh, you, you know, there'll be something else or whatever um, already there. If you're listening to this outside of Patreon, uh, I think I think we're probably doing. I think it's Omen too. Uh, I could be wrong. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember what we've got next. Um, but yeah, if you go to myco.co.uk, you can check out our short films and uh, and various uh, and features and comics and all various podcasts and things there. So uh, yeah, that's myco.co.uk. Myco.co.uk. So um, thanks for joining me. And until next time, just remember. It's only a sequel. It's only a sequel. It's only a sequel. It's only a sequel. It's only a sequel.